Hi, Merch Money. Thank you guys all for being here. I see so many people were waiting for this show, so thank you. Um, thank And thank you so much, Mandy, for being here. Thank you for having me. Mandy has a blog called A Girl's Gotta Eat, and uh, it's linked in the description of the YouTube video and also on Facebook. So wherever you're watching from, uh, it should be there. Definitely check it out. Um, and I found Mandy because she, every uh, Friday I've been trying to post a link for, to get to know everybody in the group. So you could post your YouTube channel, your Instagram account, anything. Um, and Mandy posted her blog and I was so happy because then I was able to read the blog and get to know Mandy um, and then ask Mandy for help too. Cause I, blogging is not my, my forte. It's not what I'm focused on. Um, and then for Mandy, YouTube is not what she's been focusing on. So we've been able to sort of collaborate and work together a little bit. Uh, today, I'm sure we'll learn even more from each other. Um, but that's the kind of thing I would love for those kind of posts to be, where people will go ahead and post what they're doing because it's so helpful to all learn from each other. Um, but anyway, thank you so much, Mandy, for posting your blog. Yeah, thanks for responding to me. Like I had told you, my plan this year was to get out of my comfort zone, do more video and more voice and podcasting things. And this was all of it, including live. So this is a great experience for me, too. So I appreciate it. Yep. Yeah, we were really just throwing you into the fire. Um, yeah. this, this, really and, and for anyone who's interested in doing YouTube, we use um, StreamYard, which is very, very simple to use. Um, it's free. We are on the paid version, but there is a free version. Um, the paid version, the only difference is, well, there's a couple differences, but the main difference is that you can stream multiple places at once. So some of you guys are watching on our Facebook page. Some of you are watching in our Facebook group. And some of you are watching on YouTube and it's all being streamed at the same time. And then after okay. the show, after the show, I download the audio and upload it to the podcast. So it's a way to just have, and the podcast is free too. I use Anchor. So it's, it's very simple, very doable. All of you guys could do it, um, but I know it's intimidating in the beginning. So huge props to Mandy for just going right for it. Um, but then for me, for some reason, doing the blog is what's the stumbling block. So tell us a little about your background. Like, how did you start the blog? How did you get into this whole space? Um, so I've been blogging since probably 2007, I think. I was in college in journalism school, and I was trying to find literally just writing jobs. And I was working you know, a desk job as an administrative assistant, didn't really have a whole lot to do during the day, so I'd be looking for jobs at work. And I stumbled upon um, some like freelance writing websites where you can find jobs, and I was like, oh, wait, maybe this is kind of something I could be doing instead. So what I actually started doing was um, I started freelance writing and blogging like while I was at my desk job. I learned how to use WordPress. I had a friend who taught me how to use it at the time. And I started my own site to kind of just practice and learn how to write stuff online. And I was really just writing about like makeup and celebrity culture and just whatever I felt like I had no rhyme or reason to anything. I had no idea how to monetize it, um, was just kind of doing what I felt like. And so that was kind of how I got, you know, started in the industry. And ever since then, it's kind of always been something I've played with or had going on in the background, at least a little bit. So, um, and the reason that I have A Girl's Gotta Eat, I started that a couple of years ago 
when I started um, my freelance, I started freelance writing again and I was working from home and all of my friends are kind of like, you know, how do I do what you do? I hate my job. Like you work on the internet and you make money doing that. Like, how do I do that? And a lot of them are incredibly artistic, talented people. They just don't know how to sell their talent. Mm -hmm. So, and kind of, I guess I should maybe back up a little bit. The whole reason I call it a girl's got to eat is because anytime I would talk about my work and the things I was doing, my justice would be, Hey, a girl's got to eat. I love that title. Right. And so that was kind of what I would always say. And I would have friends who would kind of bring that up as well. So I started the site, I think it was in 2017. I started that one. I wasn't really taking it seriously at all. I basically just made some posts based off of like emails and texts that I was sending my friends who were asking me like, how do I, you know, get my art on Etsy? Like, how do I get people to see it and sell it? So I have these lengthy posts about SEO that I was sending to them. And I was like, I should probably turn this into a blog. Like every time I do something new, I'm like, how can I monetize this? Yeah. Well, so much was said there. Such good, good stuff. First thing I just want to say is um, you started, you said 2007, right? Is that what Mm -hmm. you said for starting the original blog? And you didn't really know how you were going to monetize it or what direction you wanted to go, but you started. And I think that's, the first key point for everyone to take away. Like sometimes you just have to start, just start a blog. Like it evolves over time or you can create a whole new one. Like you started Mm -hmm. a whole new one with the girl's got to eat. But that's 2017, that's 10 years later. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like you have to have like this perfectly scripted, perfect thing right in the beginning. Um, Start, just start. So that's the first thing that I took away from what you just said. The, The second thing is how you were starting even like while you're looking for other jobs or while you're doing other things. Um, So that's big right there. And then the time that that happened, I know we talked beforehand, so I don't know how much you want to say or don't say, but that time period was right around the recession. Yeah. 2008, the recession happened. um, And that affected so many people. You were what fresh out of college, right? Yeah. So that was, yeah, that's a big part of it as well. I was, um, I graduated college in 2008 with a journalism degree. And the first thing that was going on was there were no jobs in media in like print media, then not only because of the recession, but because everybody was going to the internet and all of the big media companies were like, we don't know how to use the internet, but we know we have to. And so I was, when I was looking for, you know, um, writing jobs and things like that. Yeah. So the re the recession, Hit. And I was working at the time in the auto industry, which was very volatile in the time. And we were basically told at work, like, you're going to your job's probably going to be OK, but maybe don't book any um, vacations for a while. Oh my gosh. <laughs> nice <laughs> and, and comforting. Right. So I was like 22 at the time and I was living at home with my parents still. So I had that security. I wasn't one of the guys who has, you know, a wife and four kids and a mortgage. And I yep. couldn't even imagine. And I remember feeling that and thinking, this is the most like vulnerable I've ever felt. Like everybody talks about how, you know, getting your full-time job is going to be so much security and that's, you know, what you have, that's adulting right there. But I felt very insecure. I was like, this could be ripped out from under me, my whole paycheck, the one way that I make money. And I like, I'd be completely screwed. Like, what would I even do? And so I was just like, this can't be like it. And so when I was sitting at my desk, 
What was it? Were you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to I was trying not to interrupt. It's one of the things that I used to do a ton and I've gotten better with it. So I was stopping myself. But <laughs> anyway, I was just going to say about um, like, I think sometimes millennials get a bad rep and I like how I'm technically I'm a millennial, but I'm like very old millennial, uh, yeah, you know, so you're a little bit more like in the right bracket a couple years younger. Um, but I think they get such a bad rep. And I'm like, we started with the recession. I mean, I graduated mm -hmm. in 2005, so it hadn't happened yet. We were at the peak where everything was like going great. But I bought my first house or my condo in 2008. And uh, actually, no, 2007. Yeah, I bought it in 2007, right at the peak. So oh. it crashed right after. But that's how I started my life. So I'm only 24 years old, bought right at the peak. Um, and got to experience a recession and what can happen and all these hard things. And I think that's such a great experience. I think millennials have really had the hard experiences early. So mm. many people before that, they got to go through, I mean, there was other recessions, other things that happened, but some of those people, they hit these kind of periods later in their life. Um, but I think when you hit it right out the gate, like have trouble getting a job right out of college, you know, lose a lot of money on your first house, like these kind of hard experiences early kind of set you up for, oh my gosh, I'm a mess, kind of set you up for uh, really uh, building strong character and, and learning how to um, overcome difficulties early, mm -hmm. which I think is great. So to me, I don't really understand exactly why millennials get such a bad rep, but I, I, I think millennials have done a great job of like overcoming hardship, learning new ways, starting new industries, really getting on the cutting edge of, of all kinds of stuff and starting and starting the, the idea of being able to make money on your own. Mm -hmm. And part of that came because we went through these such hard things so young that we didn't have the same mindset as older generations where somehow a company is going to take care of you your whole life. We were like, um, no, <laughs> the companies are going out of business. They're not even hiring us to begin with. And if they do, we're immediately just like scared that we're going to lose our job. Mm -hmm. Houses aren't safe. Nothing's safe. The world is not safe. Um, that's how we went into the world. And so now the idea of working on the internet is not so scary because we experienced regular jobs as scary. So yeah. the internet is feels safer because now we're in control and we don't have to rely on companies. So right. I think that's the that's how some of the millennials started working for themselves and working online. And I think it's just uh, fantastic. So yeah, so back to your back to your story. You really experienced it. You graduated right at the recession. Yeah, no, and you make very good points there because also like the culture that I was working in, you know, it was the auto industry, very um, classic just industry. Like some of the motto is, oh, you only work 40 hours a week. What do you do after Wednesday? And it's just, and it would be like, why would I want to work 70 hours a week? Like, like right. why, like I, something that you guys don't even really like, like, you know, right. and so it was just kind of like, this can't be it. I, I, it made me feel pretty depressed at the time. Yeah. And so I'd be sitting at my desk looking for other jobs and I stumbled upon um, uh, what we now call like a content mill site. It was called the Man Studios and they would hire freelance writers and they pay you 15 to 25 bucks to write articles about like 
how to tie a tie or like how to plant aloe vera, like stuff you can right. Google and rewrite into an article. And I was so, and they would take me like half an hour to write. Right. And I would, I would do like five of them in a day sitting at my desk job. I felt like I was like double dipping on capitalism. I was like, I just totally cheated the system. <laughs> You're like, I'm making money on my own and at work. <laughs> right. So, so that was like my first little experience of side hustling was with that site. And I remember thinking I could write like six or seven articles here a day and I could be making the same or more as at my job. And I wouldn't have to be here at 7 a.m. Like I wouldn't have to be, you know, talked down to by all these other people that I don't really want to work with. Um, and so by the end of that year, that was in 2009. By the end of 2009, I quit my job to freelance. And I had the safety net of living at home still, which is why I was able to do that. Because honestly, don't quit your job to become a freelance writer unless you have right. like a big savings or just right. some sort of safety net. Like it's very difficult to do. And that was what I learned pretty quickly. And during that time, I had always had personal blogs, like more personal lifestyle blogging type of projects that I never took too seriously, but they kind of made me side hustle money. And so three years into um, freelance writing, I wasn't just working for the content mill site. I had also gotten a couple of regular writing clients by then. I was writing about kind of anything and anything. Like I thought if I'm just a generalist and if I'm willing to write about anything from handicapped toilets to like, you know, RVs and like college classes that are available, just throw it at me, give me money. I don't care. I'll do it. Well, by three years of doing that, I was so painfully burned out that someone from my old job that I quit, they ended up calling me around that time and offering me a job where I was like, fine, I'll take it. I just, I literally went back because I was like, I can, I'm so exhausted. Like I can't, my, it was like writing was just becoming like running a marathon in my brain. It was just too much. So did three years of freelancing, went back there as a project manager type of job. And after a little while of being there, the same thing started to happen. I'm just like, is this it? Like this is, you know, I'm bored. I'm sitting here for eight hours. I maybe have half an hour of work to do a day. So I went back onto the freelance writing site one day while I was bored at work thinking about what I had done, you know, several years prior. I was like, I don't really want to write, but I am good at it. I can do it in my spare time. So maybe I'll start doing it, but only if I can only write about things that I want to write about. And so at that time I was like, um, I had been reading about the cannabis industry growing. Um, I had my medical card. I live in a Michigan as medical state at the time. So it was something I'd been learning a ton about. And I was like, maybe I could actually like write content about this. So I just went on one of the freelance sites. I typed in the word cannabis to see if any jobs popped up and like dozens came up. I was like, what? I could actually maybe write about this. So I applied to several of them. And within a couple of days, I got a you know, a freelance gig writing some blog posts for like a vape shop, I think it was at the time they were selling accessories and things. And once again, within like three or four months, I quit my job to go back to freelancing <laughs> because I realized like, oh, doing this, but positioning yourself as an expert in like one category and something that I was knowledgeable about and very passionate about, I was like, this completely changes the game. And also I can charge more. And you know, because people want to see that you're only writing about this, they see you as an expert, they're going to pay you so much more than someone whose portfolio is all the things I had written about before. That's a really big tip, guys. Yeah, uh, 
Gotta underline that. It's it's less stressful too because you don't have to know so many different things. It's like you right. know one niche and yeah, you can make more money with it. It's one of those things over and over and over again. You hear people say, like, it's not working more, it's not even necessarily working harder, it's or smarter. It's just like when you uh do less things, like cut out all the noise and just yeah. focus, it's, it's just you end up making so much more money. Yep. And that's what they say is the riches are in the niches. I'm sure anybody, a lot of people listening to this have heard that. I think the guy, his name's Pat Flynn, was the first person that I heard the riches are in the niches. And he's like, niche down. The smaller yeah. you know your audience is, the smaller the people that you're serving, the more specific you get, the more passionate fans you're going to get, the more um, high paying clients that you're going to get. People want like if you, you know, if you're starting a business, like for example, my cannabis clients, I mean, I could write in my sleep a website now about CBD, like, you know, because it's a booming industry. So many people want that. And then they want to hire me because they see I've written so many and that they perform well. But it's rather than having to hire someone who's like, oh, yeah, I know how to write. I'll just research CBD real quick. I'll learn all about it. You know, yeah. I don't have to do any of that. And so when you're able to pick a topic and do it like that, it's, changes the entire game. I mean, it's so much better. And so that was what I did. And that was about three years ago. Now I just came up on my three year mark since I quit my job the second time to start freelancing again. And um, about a year into that, I think it was, yeah, late 2017, I was, you know, looking for more freelance jobs, kind of pitching articles here and there. And a lot of the jobs that I would see, I would see these sites and I'd be like, I could make that but like better, you yeah. know, it would just be like, you know, and like with the cannabis industry, it would kind of be like, oh, this looks like a 20 year old stoner. <laughs> and they're just like writing not great stuff or they're kind of it's like pseudoscience in there. Like they're not really giving great content, but they're trying to capitalize on this. So I was like. I think it was on my birthday that year. I was like, oh, duh, I'll make my own cannabis blog and I'll write the stuff that they're not. And then they need to be hyped. They're like the ones trying to hire people to write for them because they can't write the content themselves, but I can write it myself. So maybe I can just do that. So I made my own. Um, and I've had that. Yeah. Since late 2017, it's called uh, Jane dope.com. Oh, that's awesome. I wanted kind of to create a women's cannabis blog that focused on that and women's issues. And so um, I haven't posted anything on it and probably, a year. But after I made that site, I did not even really have to go and solicit writing clients anymore. They came to me because I just put a page up that said, I'll write for you. Here's all the types of things I'll offer. And oh, that's a really good tip right there. I didn't even think about that. If you just do your own blog, but give information of how people can research you and let them know you could do articles, they'll just come to yeah. you. Yeah. So that's another thing is if anybody wants to become like a freelance writer or a blogger or anything, Blogs are a really good way to kind of reverse engineer a business in a way. So if I had wanted to start writing in the cannabis industry, but it was harder, like I got lucky in finding a client right off the bat and I was able to kind of, you know, build on it from there. But another really good thing I could have done to prove that I'm worth hiring was to create, if I had created Jane Dope right away. And first I was, I would start writing the articles that I want to write on there and using that as my um as kind of a portfolio and when people see oh you took the time to make a whole website on this like you know that 
tells them a lot and it tells them, oh, this person's really passionate and knowledgeable. And so, um, yeah, once I had that, or uh, yeah, so back to the reverse engineering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you kind of can create the content that you want to make without anybody telling you, oh, I want this for my site. You right. Look up the keywords however you want. And then mm -hmm. you can also monetize that site as a Amazing. hustle. Yeah. yeah. So you are creating a portfolio and then you can create a page saying, hey, I'll, you like my blogs? I'll write a blog for you. I'll write product descriptions for you. I'll write whatever. Just give them that opportunity and make it very easy for them to contact you. And you'll be surprised. Yeah. Who? Amazing. Amazing tip. Because I, I wasn't thinking about that side of it. I was thinking like create a blog to go towards your products or you know, towards your content, like for us, yeah. our content on YouTube and stuff. But I wasn't thinking about it like, oh, this is almost like having a resume out there. Like yeah, people are going to see yeah. your articles. So might as well be like, by the way, if you want me to write an article for you. Right. Um, exactly. And that's the thing also is just creating the site. That's hugely helpful. But if you don't put it out there, what you're offering to people and that you're off, you're willing to be hired for something or something like that. Like they don't know that they have no reason. And it took me a little while right. to realize that as well. Cause once I put up the services page, that's when, you know, it became obvious and people started contacting me and it's like, Oh, all you have to do is tell them, you yep. have to tell them what you can do for them. Yeah. Um, just spell things out. That's, that's why people always say like put in a um, action item into your listing or into things like you feel mm -hmm. like, well, of course, like aren't people going to know to buy the item or to contact me or to do this and that it's like, no, you literally have to say, <laughs> contact me if you want yeah. me to write an article or like it just make it as easy as possible. Connect all the dots. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of which, guys, like this video, share. <laughs> That's the stuff yeah. I always forget to say. Uh, subscribe, all that stuff. You need to actually say it or else people won't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just make the offer. Have it yeah. out there. You never know who wants anything. And like I said, once I started that site, I didn't have to really solicit clients anymore. They really started coming to me. And that's also how if you're going to be writing or blogging on the Internet, you have to understand how to write for search engines just as well as you do for humans. And so by having your own site, this forces you to learn about SEO. Yes. And things like that. And so that was how I learned what SEO was back in 2007 when I started my very first WordPress blog. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what it was, but I kind of inadvertently learned it, I'd be looking at my stats and seeing all the keywords people were finding me through and then writing more stuff based on those keywords. And before long, that's what I realized, like, oh, that's how you do every that's how you sell anything online is you have to know the keywords. Yeah, use them. So you'll kind of, yeah, if you do that, you'll you can learn all of the ropes at your own pace. Yeah, looking at stats is so huge. That's something that, again, it should be obvious. Everyone should do it for whatever they're doing. Look at your stats. Um, but it's it's some it's, yeah. It's just one of those things where some people don't, or like some people don't do it um, often enough. Like mm -hmm. I definitely am guilty of this, where I'm more excited about finding the guests for the show and doing the show and all of that, where I miss a lot of it because I'm not going back to see which videos people liked the best and then trying to find more videos similar to that. I'm much more just like, well, who do I want to talk to? What do I want to learn? Instead of going and looking at all the keywords and being like, oh, people are searching this keyword. I've sh I should find a guest that goes with this keyword. 
Mm-hmm, right. And I don't do that. So we're we're leaving like huge amount on the table by not not paying attention to the keywords, not paying attention to who what people are searching and finding guests that go with those searches. Um, so that's just something that I need to get better with and learn. But uh, if you guys, if you look at your stats, that's the first step because then you see, you know, what's working, what's not working, and then what do you do from there? What are some of the other things that you learned or or ways to optimize SEO? Um. So basically, yeah, your stats are the first place you're going to go to see what people want to hear about. So like when I started Girls Gotta Eat, I had random posts on there about selling on Etsy because I'd been doing that for years. I had some on SEO. I had some about blogging and my experience with blogging. It was just a little bit everywhere, you know, and just random articles about like, here's all the different ways I make money online and you can too. And so once I started looking at my stats, I realized the things that people really wanted to learn about was creating digital products and printables to sell on Etsy and um, print on demand type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was what I really started creating more content around those topics. And um, because I also realized that even if I was writing about blogging and stuff, people wanted to learn how to make money, I guess not quickly, but in a more accessible way than creating like, you know, 2000 word blog posts and print on demand, learning some of the basic design aspects and the SEO that has to go with it and things like that. um, People became really interested in like this quick kind of starter business Mm -hmm. type of thing. So let's back up for just a second. So you started a girl's got to eat in 2017. Is that what you said? Or when did you Okay. And that was because, so you had already been doing the cannabis stuff. You already had the other blog. What kind of prompted you to start a girl's got to eat? Um, I think a lot of it was talking to like my other very artistic friends who like my husband, he graduated from art school. And so a lot of the people in our mm-hmm. circle also went to art school and they can make these amazing things. Mm-hmm. They, they make the most beautiful artwork. My friend, you know, she does watercolor portraits of pets and things and they're mm-hmm. adorable, but she does not know how to sell them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and my other friend makes these really cute miniature sculptures and, he also wants to sell them, but has no idea how. And so they come to me asking for help on Etsy. And I'm just like, SEO, 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 literally. Like, that's great that your sculpture is named like, you know, lobster or whatever. But if you only put lobster as your title, nobody's going to find this like miniature figurine sculpture and all the ways you can describe it. And so that was the kind of stuff that I was like, getting frustrated with some of my friends because I'd be like, why are you listening to me? And so kind of like, I also realized though that a lot of people wanted this kind of information and that I had an advantage in knowing how to um, use words and things to sell the stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to put this all on my own website. And then if they ask me for it, I'm going to send them to the website and I'm going to make money off of it if they click on my affiliate. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So many good things. All right. First, let me just stop for a second and say hi to everybody in the chat. Hi, Weatherly. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Dwayne. Um, Some people are showing up as Facebook user on my side, so I'm so sorry. Patty, um, Janelle, Laura, Haria, Dwayne. Thank you guys all. Funny videos and vines. Um, Sheila, thank you guys all for being here and watching. And I'm sorry, I'll be a little bad with the chat just because, um, Christina uh, couldn't make it. She's not feeling well. And I, um, I will do the best I can, but sometimes 
I'm going to miss stuff. Real quick, um, Patty said, good job of finding um, a way to use your journalism degree. She gra graduated with a journalism degree also um, and uh, loved being a newspaper reporter. Awesome. That's right. awesome, Patty. I don't think I knew that. Um, call to action is so important. Mm -hmm. So thank you guys all so much. I love what you said about um, about how it was frustrating when people wouldn't take action. Guys, first of all, that is so common. So it's common to feel frustrated and it's common for people who are listening to you to not take action. Um, we're all unique and it's so hard to remember that because what comes easily for us is usually not what comes easily for someone else. Yeah. So I feel the same way when I ask people to be on the show and they say no, I'm like, why is it so scary? Like you're just having a conversation with me and it's so hard for me. But then I remember like, okay, well, they're not me. Like everybody's different. Yeah. Um, and for some people, it's just terrifying. It just is for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Like even if I don't understand, it just is. Yeah. Um, so for some people, you know, SEO is just too hard. Like it just is. They can't quite figure out the words or like, it's just mm -hmm. not, especially if you have an artistic mind, like it's just, it's just not what you're interested in. Right. So it's so smart to do something like a blog or something like a show, like what we're doing, because it's not confrontational. It's like, okay, here, here it is. If you want to, if you want to do any of it, it's fine. You could do it, but it's different than sitting there telling someone like you should do this. Um, it's kind of just letting people come to it when they want to and do whatever they want to with it, because yeah. they're never going to be able to do everything you would love for them to do because it's hard to be in the position where you're watching your friends struggle because you're like well i could help you but then they don't want to do it and it's it's hard on everybody because you you want them to be able to succeed but at the same time they're not you and they're not going to be able to do everything that you suggest so um i think that's just a good thing for everybody to remember like if you find yourself being frustrated with people that are not listening to you, first of all, that's an indication of what your skill is. So just be proud of yourself. Like, oh, this is a skill that I don't realize I have because it's so easy for me, but it's not easy for these other people. Mm -hmm. So it's an indication of your skill and it's also an indication that this is something valuable. So if people are not taking action, it's an indication that it's something that's uh, a hurdle for people to get over. It's a problem in the world. Is something that indicates like you have something that you could offer the world. So put it out there somehow, whether you put it out in a blog or a YouTube video or a Facebook group or a printable or whatever it is. Um, uh, I think that that's a big thing that, that took me a long time to learn. I think my whole twenties, I didn't understand that concept. So it's just, I constantly was frustrated with people like, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Like, <laughs> yeah. and then it was finally in my thirties that I was like, everyone's different be patient like no one's gonna do what you do like everyone's different mm -hmm. um so yeah. anyway uh so about the seo i think that's great that you put it all together into a blog so a girl's got to eat you have whole sections about how to learn seo right mm -hmm. yeah i have a couple of posts on seo and i guess if one thing if i could give anybody advice on anything when it comes to seo because everybody thinks it's extremely technical and that you have to be some sort of computer programming expert in order to understand it. And it's really just having a very intuitive understanding of your customer and who you are serving and who's most what they're most likely to type into Google when they want to find your product. So if you it's less technical and a lot more intuitive. And I think that's what's always been worked to my advantage was because I was able to really understand that somehow. And so that's what I always tell people is it's just a very, um, you know, 
intuitive and intimate understanding of who your customer is. And if you don't, and you're like, well, I don't really know, like, just start making lists and describing details about your ideal customer avatar and what they look like, what they do, what they like, how they spend their time on the internet, how they spend their money, what their, you know, age, gender and income bracket is and all of that. Like, you can use that to very easily kind of speak to search engines as well in a way that finds the right people. I love that. Speak to search engines. That's a good way to describe it. Um, yeah, it's really just what it is, but you yeah. don't want to sound like a robot. And it's pretty easy to not do that if you just understand what these people are searching and looking for. Yep. Yeah. The more you understand what people are searching and then can put that in your article, it helps the search engine. It helps the people finding the stuff. It helps everything. Mm -hmm. um, so awesome. So you, so you kind of started the blog more to teach your friends about SEO. How did it kind of, and then I guess when you started writing articles and realized people wanted printables, that's kind of where you started adding information about Etsy and all of that. Yeah, I had kind of started adding more detailed posts about the specific things that I was doing. You know, like I have um, a couple of print-on-demand uh, shops, and those were hugely beneficial to my freelance writing career because all of a sudden I had so more of a passive, you know, income coming in that I didn't have to be actively working to make. And I was like, oh this is what I've needed the whole time. Like it all of a sudden took out like the desperation of needing money or being like, Oh crap, I have to, you know, get this job. I can't give them too high of a number because they won't hire me and I need it to pay my bills. Like yeah, that's it alleviated so much of the stress. And so that's why I see that almost as like a perfect starter business and something to kind of start with. Even if you want to do something like freelance writing or you're a designer whatever it is, having an income source like that is extremely helpful and important, especially, you know, if you are working online and doing things like that. And so um, that was what I really wanted people get to realize once I started getting more readers and people were asking me questions, you know, that was what they were intrigued by. And I was like, well, yeah, actually they all, a lot of people should be making stores like this, or at least finding a way to make income in this way, make your life so much easier. Like, and I think like not enough people, do that. Yes. We were like engrossed in it because we're in the, you know, Merch Money Facebook group and there are people that are making printables and making money this way and, and making, you know, books and all kinds of stuff. But it's such a small percent of the population. There's so many people that don't even know this kind of thing exists. So I think we, we all can keep that in mind that it's amazing to be where we are right now. It's such a... Uh, just amazing opportunity. Just it is limitless. Yep. And that's why I kind of just want as many people to know about that as possible. Like sometimes it feels like, you know, I have some sort of secret to like living the life that I actually wanted to, especially compared to yeah. where I was, you know, 10 years ago working a miserable job where I felt extremely insecure and not sure what to do with it. Now I have, you know, multiple income sources. And I feel like that income diversity is definitely income security and that it's something more, you know, people should be working like exploit the internet. If you're spending time on the internet anyway, monetize it, like figure out a way. <laughs> yep. You know? Yep. And I'm a mood. He uh, said hi from Morocco. 
Hello. Hi. Hello, everyone. I'm always so happy. We, we do two different shows now a week, and one of them is this one at noon, and we get so many of the people from Europe and other parts of the world, um, Asia and everywhere, because it's, it's better. It's, it's a little better time. The mm -hmm. Monday ones at 8 o'clock are, it's like 1 in the morning, 1 or 2 in the morning in a lot of, in Europe. Um, so anyway, thank you guys all for being here. Um, feel free to keep writing your questions. I, I know I'm not being great with the chat, but I will try to get to everyone's questions. Um, so this is so, so exciting. I love everything that you're saying. <laughs> I'm glad that it's useful. It's so useful and just the mindset of it. And um, I really like the idea of like just putting out what people are asking you questions about. That's how you started yeah. this whole thing. Your friends, your, and I love the seeing friends from art school because it's so hard. I, I was talking to uh, Christine about it on our show that she was on, like trying to help the, the fine art students get their artwork out to the world and get seen and everything. Um, so I'm so happy that you're helping some of them do that. Um, but I, I just, for everyone, like if people are asking you questions, that's the indication of where your talent lies. And it's hard because like you want to be able to be good at everything. So for me listening to this, I'm like, oh, I want to be able to be a good writer and good with SEO and good with all these things. And it, I I will try. Like I we, we do have a blog and you know, I will put stuff out, but right. at the same time, like if people are asking you questions about something, don't forget to do what you are good at too. So for me, it's like YouTube's easy. Mm -hmm. Talking to people, doing these interviews is easy. Like sometimes I think we have a tendency to want to do what's hard. Cause we're like, well, that must be what I'm supposed to do. What's so hard, but it's like, no, actually what's easy for you is not easy for other people. And it's actually where you should be, what, where you should be spending your time because yeah. No one's going to do your what you're meant to do. Um, right. And that's the thing that I think is really important and that I've said a lot of times on A Girl's Gotta Eat is you don't even have to be an expert at anything in order to make money doing it. You just have to know more than somebody else yeah. or you have to be capable of doing something that other people would rather pay someone else to do. Yeah. And there are so many things. Like I hear so many times also like, well, who am I to do this or that or to monetize? Oh, so often. Doing this? And it's just like, who aren't you? Who are any of us? Like yeah. we're all just meat sacks that exist <laughs> in this, you know, country. We have to make an income for ourselves however we can. Like who's any of us? Nobody knows what they're doing. Yes. You know? And so if you know a little bit more than somebody, which, you know, when I started A Girl's Gotta Eat with some of my stuff, that I was writing posts on, I still don't consider myself like an expert. There's definitely people in like the merch money group who know so much more about right. on demand than I do, but I write what I know and what I want people to know from my experience. And nobody else can really give that same thing because they're not me. And I can't give what other people can give. Right. And just by kind of virtue of your existence, you're going to provide a unique value. And and once you start, you get better over time or you find people to help you or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like for instance, with our YouTube channel, like I have still have no idea what I'm doing, but I definitely had no idea in the beginning. So it's like, <clears throat> but I could always go back and like fix some of the titles to make it more mm -hmm. interesting or better with SEO, or I could add more backend things or I could share it again. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's not so black and white. Like you, you don't have to be so perfect. You can just start and get better over time and go, if you feel like it or have time, go back and kind of optimize things a little better. 
Um, but I think just starting, I mean, even not being good at it, there are still some people who will watch the YouTube videos and share it with their friends and it does start to grow even if you don't do it perfectly. Yeah. Same with the blog, like as long as you start, you'll start to get better. Mm -hmm. You'll learn more about SEO as you go. Um, and if people like your content enough, it's they, you know, they'll share it with their friends and, and you know, you, you might still be able to do well. So yeah, exactly. Um, just yeah, do what you like and then just keep learning, keep growing. Um, Therese is asking you, let's see, is the SEO stats in the back end of WordPress? Um, I use uh, Google Analytics mainly okay. and Google Search Console. Um, I'm not very good at describing how to do all of those things. It's kind of something where you would connect your blog to Google Webmaster. I think it's like under Google Webmaster tools, you can go. I know that WordPress does have um, some stats internally that you can find and you can look at your page views and what posts are the most viewed, but I highly recommend hooking it up with Google Search Console. And I'm sorry, I can't provide more like exactly. <laughs> I just know that it's something that I've done and that every month it emails me and tells me how many hits I got from Google, how many searches, it tells me the most searched keywords, things like that. So as far as SEO goes, that's one of the best ways to find um, what, you know, Google is sending you and to kind of understand your stats. So speaking of Google, first of all, you guys could probably just Google how to do that. So yeah. how do you attach Google Analytics to your WordPress blog? I'm sure there's uh, good information on how to do that. Yeah. Um, but Google, certain things come up in Google searches very easily. And YouTube videos is one of those things because Google owns YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty sure. So um, those tend to come up high in search. So that's another reason to do a YouTube channel alongside whatever you're doing, because it'll help It'll help the algorithm help your whatever you're doing show up. Um, but another one that shows up pretty well is Pinterest. Um, mm -hmm. So do you have a Pinterest account? Do you use Pinterest to help your blog? Oh, yeah. Most of my traffic I actually get from Pinterest. And that was the thing is like how I said earlier, my friends weren't doing what I said. I was like, well, I'll find other people who will do it then. Yeah. And so I would, and, you know, and I've been using Pinterest for years and I, um, yeah, it's with this blog and then also my cannabis blog. Those both do really well on Pinterest, which surprised me. But um, yeah, I think that's also great for SEO. And it's also something that people need to remember to treat Pinterest less like a social media type of thing and more like a search engine. Yes, that's what I have um, heard over and over again. And I've told people that over and over again. Um, Pinterest works really well with blogs. Another pre person who says that is uh, Teresa Rose, but there's several other people. Um, and there's lots of ways to have your blog kind of work seamlessly with Pinterest. So mm -hmm. one way, which I don't know if you do or not, but um, is with the photos. You can kind of put a photo that looks good on Pinterest on your blog. Do you do that or... Um, like so that when you share it to Pinterest, it's like the the long kind of like the right size photo. Well, generally what I do, just that is a really good thing to do. But I but I haven't really added those to my individual posts, which now that you mention it, I definitely should for when people pin it from the site. But yeah. what I do is I make separate pins in Canva, you know, like okay. I get a stock photo and just put over it the title of the um of the post. And then I schedule those to various um, Pinterest group boards that I'm in through Tailwind. I don't know if you've heard of them. I love Tailwind. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, lifesaver. And that's what grew my Pinterest following a lot because they optimize your schedule and things like that. And so it guides and just real quick, just on that, if you guys don't know what Tailwind is, you can look on, you can type in, um, actually, I don't think I have it on the Merch Money YouTube channel, which is where we're streaming. I think it's on my own. So I have a YouTube channel, Helen Kinson, um, and I have some tutorials and things on there. So if you search Tailwind and then Helen Kinson, you'll see my Tailwind video. I also did some Pinterest videos, so you could see that. Um, but Pinterest also works well with Etsy. So I think you have an Etsy shop too. So you could do the same kind of thing with Etsy where you could make a Canva pin and have it go to your Etsy store. Or just like what I said with the blog, you can put a Pinterest optimized image, like the right size for Pinterest, the right you know call to action and everything on it. You can put that right into your Etsy listing or right into the blog. So, you can sh so people can share it straight from Etsy mm -hmm. to their Pinterest board. Yeah, and it's like customized and better optimized for yes. waiting around Pinterest. Which, yes, yes. when you say that, I feel like I'm going to spend all Yeah, she's time. like taking notes like, yeah, I do yeah. that totally. <laughs> yeah, no, I do most of that. And I definitely um, promote my Etsy on Pinterest as well. But I feel like even with blogging, like it's the number one place you want to get your blog posts. And the easiest way to make good pins is through Canva. They have like thousands of templates. Yes. different um, pins and it's perfectly sized, the vertical pin, and it's already got, you know, pretty looking font. You just change it to say whatever you want. Just, yeah, yeah do that. It helps a ton. Yes. It helps a ton for everything. So whether you have an Etsy store, whether you have merch, whether you have whatever, your own mm -hmm. website, Shopify, anything, um, you could put pins out there. Um, and Canva's one of the best places there's there's other ones too there's stencil and there's various other ones but um canvas a good one uh and it's nice that they have the templates ready actually the over app which i talk about for designing for merch i use it a lot the over app now has a lot of different templates as well so you could over? use that over it's just called over yeah i love that app um but they have templates as well so there's there's quite a few different ones and there's more every day i feel like um yeah, there are there's ways to have like the templates now there's ways you can add videos in there or gifs or whatever. Like there's so many different things you can do. Um, but as long as you just do something like get a vertical, you want it to be a vertical size pin, get that out there and have it linked back to your Etsy store or your blog or wherever you want it to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's huge for traffic and it helps your, helps your ranking. Right. So he explain a little more about that. Like, what are backlinks? What are ways to kind of help your blog? Um, yeah, so backlinks are a really good way. And that's basically just other legitimate, credible, good quality sites linking to your site. So the more that happens, the more Google understands, oh, obviously a lot of people are talking about this site or linking to this. This has to be really good content. And they give you a little more SEO juice to bump you up. And same with... Um, Pinterest, I think the more you kind of get shares and click throughs to there, that's also going to tell, you know, Google and Pinterest and Etsy or whoever that these things that are getting more traffic are worth showing people. So it's just another one of those really simple ways, even if you just pin like, you know, one thing, one picture per blog post or Etsy product, just getting them in there and circulated through Pinterest so that other people are seeing them and even just repinning them, just get it yeah, 
Yeah. And I think um, it's one of those like circular things where everything's helping each other. So it's yeah. like when somebody's pinning your thing, it's helping Pinterest understand what you do. And uh, speaking of talking to an algorithm, you're talking to Pinterest, like the way that you, the words you use, the way you write something, it's like you're explaining to Pinterest what you do and what this is about. So exactly. um, the more that Pinterest understands who you are and shares it to the right people, Google under starts to understand who you are, share it to the right people. You know, if you have YouTube in the mix too, YouTube starts to understand, Etsy starts to understand. The more each of these algorithms starts to understand who you are and what you're doing and what people like and inter interact with your content, it's one of these like circular things where everything's helping everything else. Yeah. So as your YouTube channel grows, all of a sudden your Etsy's growing, all of a sudden your Pinterest is growing, your Google's growing, the blog's growing, like everything starts to work with each other, which is great and it's also hard because in the beginning nothing is working yet like nobody's finding your blog nobody's mm -hmm. finding your etsy store nobody's finding your youtube channel um so you're doing all this work and it feels like nothing is working um so that's something to kind of keep in mind it's one of those things where all of a sudden everything's working and everything's shooting up but it yeah. like the numbers are growing fast but it it's not like that for quite a while for most people. So it's one of those things where you have to keep persisting and keep trying um, because as you get better on each platform, it helps everything else, but it can take a while. Yes, definitely. SEO takes time. Like that's what I tell people with their Etsy SEO. Once you kind of type in some keywords, don't touch it for at least, you know, probably two to three months even, like up to 90 mm -hmm. days before you really can tell if something's working or not. And, you know, there's so much stuff constantly just being churned out everywhere on the internet. So right. there's so much to sort through all the time and it just takes time and patience, you know, and it, yeah, it's not an overnight uh, project by any means, but if you're consistent with it and you show up and you keep feeding it new content and telling the Google machine and the Pinterest machine what who you are, what you're doing, why people need to hear from you, you know, consistency is extremely important for all of that and creating fresh content and saying my site's not stale, my store isn't stale, I constantly have new things going in here. Yes, that's so important start to see the returns is and that's how it was for me on Etsy too. was what like adding new products constantly was how I grew my shop pretty quickly. And I can tell if I've like ignored it for a month or something, and I just kind of let it sit like it'll still make sales and stuff. But it's not the same as when you're constantly adding new content or products and refreshing. Yes. Then, you know, there's so many other things out there that are fresher than yours at any time. So yes. keep doing it. Yep, absolutely. Um, Felix has a good question. He said, um, how to keep getting more engagement on Pinterest? Do you use hashtags like Instagram? Um, I do use hashtags and I would say, um, I don't know if there's an exact number or formula on Pinterest for like appropriate hashtags. Cause I feel like it's something that can easily be a fine line, but, um, I think first making sure your pin title and description is very detailed and thorough and then it has all of your keywords in it. So, you know, if it's a blog post, um, make sure the title is at least what's in your has all the keywords of what you would have in your blog post title. Usually it'll automatically transfer that right over to the pin. And then in the description, kind of in the same way, I guess you would if you were writing a little Google blurb for like a WordPress site, just make sure your description is detailed and has all of the um, keywords you're trying to rank for. And 
I, at the end of mine, I always probably add like three to five hashtags that are most relevant. You don't want to stuff it like on Instagram, you, you know, you can use up to like 30 hashtags in a comment. I definitely wouldn't do that on Pinterest, but also, um, aside from kind of using your keywords to help, you know, people know or t tell it what to search, what people are searching for also is joining group boards. I don't know if you've heard of or joined any group boards. It's where more than one person, you know, a bunch of people pin and it's usually based on a specific topic. So yeah. I'm in several for Etsy sellers. I'm in several related to my blog niches and things like that. And so I think the website is pingroupie.com. You can search for your industry or niche and you can find a whole list of group boards that'll tell you like when they've last been updated and how many people are on them, how many followers they have, if their engagement is good and join some of those because there's one that I'm on a group board that has probably almost like a million followers. And um, when I, I got lucky in joining, being able to join that one shortly before they closed people being allowed to join it. And yeah. I got a great amount of traffic to my site from that. So with group boards, it's just a, you know, a great way to automatically add in a much bigger pool of people that your pins are going out to. Yeah. And then, it, you know, when it's also when it's a board in your niche and everybody else in there is pending related to your niche, the people on that board are more likely to repin and circulate your content as well. And do you also use Tailwind Tribes? Um, I have a little bit. I don't really take it very seriously or haven't spent much time on it. Mm -hmm. um, have they been worth it? I think so. I mean, I have really dropped off with, I don't do nearly as much on Pinterest as I used to, which is for no other reason, except that I just got carried away with just merge money and, and YouTube and all of that. And I haven't really set up Pinterest and everything for merge money. So I just had it just for my, uh, with, for my merch products, but then my merch was kind of too all over the place. Like I had too many niches. Mm -hmm. So I kind of needed to revamp anyway. So I kind of just let everything slide, but I did get a lot of followers on Pinterest and I did do a lot of um, group boards, like you're saying, but I also did Tailwind Tribes. And the nice thing about Tailwind Tribes is um, people that own, like that have Pinterest accounts and things, they, they join your tribe if they're in a similar thing. So for mm -hmm. instance, if you both have um, a board about I don't know, Christmas cookies or something, um, you can join all the same tribe and then you post your post just within the tribe. So it's not on Pinterest. It's just like in this tribe. And then people can go through and see what they like and they'll repost it. Um, so it helps you get relevant pins on relevant boards because the person's not going to pin it if they don't really like it. So it keeps their board cohesive because it's really stuff that they enjoy and they like mm -hmm. and it goes along with whatever they're doing on their board. But it helps you get pins um, repinned. Right. So I find it really good because sometimes with group boards, it depends on how well the group board is run, but sometimes it can be a little bit all over the place with what people yeah. are posting. Um, so if you really want to keep your board really nice and really cohesive, a tribe gives you more control because you only have to repin what you actually really like. And that goes along with your board and same with everyone else. So it's not just like a hodgepodge of all these random pins. They're only being repinned by people whose audience will actually really like them. So I think it's a little bit 
of the same idea of a group board of everyone working together, but it's a little bit more um, controlled and a little bit, I think a little bit higher quality because it's, it's only being pinned by people that really enjoy it. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I have to look into yeah taking tribes more seriously. Yeah. I think, I think they're pretty good. Um, and then what was I going to say? Something I was about to say with YouTube and I totally forgot. I can't believe we've almost gone through an hour. I had so much more to say. Oh, oh. Yeah, I didn't even realize it was 55 minutes. Wow. Yeah, it's so fast. Um, is there anything that you really want to cover? Um, let's go into that and then I'll hopefully try to remember what I was about to say. It was so profound. <laughs> Dang. Um, totally forgot. Well, now I have to find something profound. <laughs> No, it does not have to be found. But anyway, um, I think this has been so helpful with talking about all different SEO tips and different things. Um, mm -hmm. um, it had something to do with YouTube SEO. Um, yeah, I've never done anything on YouTube, so can't help anybody there. <laughs> I know how to watch things, but that's it. Um, I, guess I, I will say, though, just I guess my whole thing is that the reason that I'm able to monetize the various projects that I have and make a living doing it is because of my ability to write content and use words, literally. I mean, um, when you, you know, when you're on the internet, that's the main way that you have to communicate with people and search engines and tell them what you're doing and attract them and have them coming to you. You know, you don't want to be doing the outreach all of the time you want to be able to set up systems so that people can find you and if you you know just practice creating content it doesn't have to be perfect you don't have to have like a journalism degree i'm not even that good of like a writer i'm never going to be hired by like the new york times to create anything prolific i just know how to use the words to communicate with people honestly and sell things and if you know your customer well and you kind of have the ability to put sentences together and even in just a way of writing how you talk, like you can grow any type of business if you know how to do that kind of effectively. And the best way to really learn it is to just write things more and more and more. Just write a lot. The only way to get better at it and for it to feel less of like a brain marathon is to just do it. You yes. Know? Just do it. And I, one of the comforting things is that even if you're not perfect, like that actually goes to your advantage because mm -hmm. it becomes more... Um, relatable and people just believe it a little bit more because sometimes if it's so polished and you just seem so perfect people are like is this a real life like is right. anybody that perfect is this all just like some kind of scam or something yeah. and i um, want to fall into that because i'm like oh if it's not perfect and the most prolific thing people are going to think i'm a joke i'm a scam like oh you know yeah. but it's really the other way around yeah and like, there's actual copywriters out there who will say like i they encourage you to add a typo or two like to your emails sending out to your email list you know if you have a blog or a business or whatever they'll say add in those typos so then they see that you're human i'm not going to do that because a typo drives me absolutely beyond yeah crazy. no <laughs> i don't think you have to uh purposely become right. unperfect because i'm right. not perfect to begin with so i don't need Need to try but <laughs> exactly I don't need to do the, like awkward forced you know awkward yeah. forced, so I probably I might have one in there that I forgot about as it is but I'm just saying you don't have to be perfect you just have no. to, be able to communicate well you know and yeah be yourself and that's what people you know attract more than anything and that's something I'm learning too because with my sites I think so hard about you know making it 
sound perfect and professional and getting all the information out as effectively as possible, which obviously I want, but it's like when I'm not afraid to show a little bit of personality and just chill out with all yeah. of that, it really does resonate with people and people just want to hear from you and the person behind the brand or whatever it is. They really just want to hear from you. Yep. I completely agree. Um, yeah. So just, I think key takeaways is just start, um, mm -hmm. ask questions. If there's something that's easy for you, don't feel like that's somehow a bad thing. Like it's so interesting that people, right. their biggest talents, they tend to just ignore because they're like, oh, well, that's easy. Everyone can do that. And it's no, like, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> what's easy. Yeah. What's easy for you is very likely not easy for other people. So, um, pay attention to what's easy for you and what you're kind of just like putting off to the side, like thinking that everyone can do it. If you find yourself saying everyone can do this, that's probably where your strength is um, because it's most, everybody can't do anything. So that is not a true statement. And it's, um, it's, Usually, if you think it's so easy that everyone must be able to do this, that's probably one of your biggest strengths. Yes, monetize um, it. Yeah, monetize it. And then don't worry about all the other stuff that goes along with it. Like if you're not good at certain things that go with it, you'll learn over time or you'll find somebody to work with you that can help you out or whatever. Just do part of it, you know, get the blog post out there, get the YouTube video up, get your shirt listed somewhere, like just start the process. And then you'll um, over time be able to make it better and better and bring everything together. But yep. the sooner you start one piece of the puzzle, um, the better it'll be and the more you'll grow. And time helps a lot. Like mm -hmm. just having this YouTube channel for almost two years helps. Like even if we did every single thing wrong, like it's still growing be just over time. Like time yeah. by itself helps. People are still um, listening. Yeah. Yeah. You have so, to be an expert or know everything that you're doing. People still want to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. So time helps. And then just learning from people helps. And then just doing, you know, every time you do an action, every time you write a new blog post, every time you design a new t-shirt, every time you put up a new YouTube video, you're learning and getting better. Yeah. Um, so just keep going. That's the main reason why we wanted to do two shows a week this year instead of one, because you're growing twice as fast just because it's, yeah. you're learning twice as fast, you're talking to people twice as often, you know, just the channel's growing twice as fast just because we're doing two videos instead of one. So things like that, it's like, what can you do to grow twice as fast? What can you do to just go a little more? So, you know, whether it's writing one blog post and then doing a freelance blog post or, or you know, putting up an extra couple shirts a week or whatever it is, um, there's ways to just keep, pushing that needle forward. Mm -hmm. Progress over perfection. Yes. Perfect. Well, we're exactly an hour. What do you think? Anything else you want to say? Was um, this uh, not too bad? Yeah, I survived. I didn't freak out. I was only, you know, nervous for a whole week for no reason. So <laughs> guys, see, it's not that bad. And I'm so happy that you pushed past that fear and just did it because you were amazing. You were just like so much good information. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy you came on and everyone, please go follow her blog or watch it, you know, share it on Pinterest for her, share it to your board. Yeah, um, I appreciate any, uh, any of it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, feel free to post your comments and questions below and on the YouTube video, we'll both answer, yeah. um, anything, uh, definitely, definitely learn from her, follow her. She's doing amazing things. 
thank you everybody yeah, for listening to me talk. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. And we'll see everybody on Monday. Thank okay. you, Mandy. Bye. Bye.